0: I'll probably say something that sounds very cliche and everybody has literally used or you hear like every other day, you know, when they say done is better than perfect, yes. But the, like, in as much as how often you hear that, you actually realize that a lot of people don't feel it. Like a lot of people are actually waiting to get their their products right, just right in their heads before they launch it. But, and the problem is that they're looking at perfection in their heads and focusing less on what's, the users would need or what the market needs and that's the problem that's the disconnect so you don't necessarily have to solve the problem 100 percent
1: hey guys this is mac from founder africa and today we're talking to one of the co-founders of reliance health Reliance Health is a tech startup that originated from Nigeria that uses technology to make healthcare more affordable and accessible in emerging markets. Just recently, they raised over $40 million in Series B funding, the largest raise in health tech in Africa, and are even part of YC, one of the world's most prestigious startup accelerators. So how did you come up with your startup idea? Um, what were you doing prior to, you know, founding Reliance Health?
0: Um, so my case is pretty simple, actually. I was a nerd in school, just like writing code and building stuff. Um, that's it. That, that's a lot I was doing before. Um, yeah, so um, Femi, Femi is, uh, was a medical doctor. He worked in, he, we all went to the same school, but he was like, Way ahead of me, so he's done. He's practicing already, and he reaches out, um, to a neutral friend about you know this interesting idea that he wants to work on, and then I'm just like, um, this is um, like a year to my final year. I was on internship at the time, so I had like a lot of free time, and I was, I just really wanted to get my hands dirty. So I like the idea. I heard the idea. The idea made a lot of sense. It did start off as Reliance as Reliance Health, by the way. <laughs> Reliance Health was uh, was was what we what's growing. To. But that's not what it started like. Uh, so yeah, so you know, we 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 jumped on a couple of calls, spoke about the idea a little bit. Uh, um he had already started working with a couple of other guys to build like an initial draft, but, I, but I wasn't, that wasn't going out well. So, so I came in full time, started from scratch again, rebuilt the whole thing. And then, you know, it's been it's been a, it's been just steady going forward, steady grinding since then. Yeah, so pretty much that's it.
1: So how did you come up with your startup idea? Um, what were you doing prior to, you know, founding Reliance Health?
0: Yeah. Uh, okay, so, so, that, so remember when I said it didn't start off as Reliance Health? Yeah, so, so Femi is a medical doctor. Um, typical, and I think every medical doctor can probably relate to this, where you have a consultation at the hospital. I mean, in Nigeria, it's a bit different. So you have a consultation at the hospital, and then you go back home and then you you know so every once in a while you you might share your contact information with the patients just to check in on them to make sure they are actually like you know doing the stuff you ask them to do. Now, automatically, you may have done that out of like you know the goodness of your heart, but that just means that translates to free consultations outside the hospital because the person keeps calling me to ask you about stuff. Oh, I have a headache. What should I do? Um, my stomach is turning me. What should I do? So all this happens. So you work United five at the hospital. They go home and you end up still working there because people are buzzing and asking about stuff. So I mean, it sounds like a re- pretty trivial thing, but yeah, it, it happens a lot. So that was where the original idea came from. Because the idea there was, how about we get doctors to also, like you know, get some side revenue from answering consultations like this, you know, from the comfort of their home or doing their spare time, um, during lunch break or something like that. So you know, uh, remote um, tele- um, health consultations or. Well, health advice at the time Instead, set more like health advice because you can't really, we can't really do remote consultations. Um, there are some, well, not exactly regulations, but you have to be careful about it. So she set it out as simple health advice, um, um uh, with a very simple subscription model, you pay a token, you talk to your doctor, you ask, you ask the doctor a couple of questions, the doctor gives you an advice. and That's it. So that was the, that was the original idea. That's how the whole thing started.
1: So when you guys, you know, launched your startup, um, did you have like a dark period um, of like iterating before things started picking up? Or, you know, were you like one of those lucky guys that things immediately started picking up when you launched your startup?
0: Yeah, so as I started, this is like twenty twenty fifteen. 2015. Yeah, I mean, there was a dark time. There was a dark time because, First off, online payments in Nigeria at the time was not something that a lot of people were comfortable with. So, if you actually somebody to make a payment online, chances are that they are not going to do that. So, we had to start to go new ways to even get people to just make payments, um, so that we can improve the business model. Model, um, and then also it's like you know, they had we had to also think of extra ideas to make it make people comfortable. So initially, it was anonymous. So ask whatever health questions you wanted to ask you with a real-life doctor and nobody needs to know who you are. That was like some of the tricks that we are doing to just get people to be more comfortable about talking about these things. Um, But yeah, I mean, adoption adoption did not really come immediately. So we kicked off with a freemium model, you know, go ahead, ask questions all you want. Uh, We will try to give you the answers. We actually got more doctors being interested than people actually being interested in Africa, so a lot of doctors were coming on the platform, you know, um, joining in, and then you know we're, we we had to struggle a bit to get people to um, to jump on and ask questions. Now um, that, that that actually did go on for a while, um, and then during this period, we tried a bunch of other stuff. Uh, <laughs> we tried doing business. Uh, we tried doing bundles with like some other companies, like you know um bundling the, the service the subscription service with like a different product that you buy um there was this big guy in nigeria that time deal day so you, like had like do like some deals on deal day as well too just to get people to, to really jump on it i think as of the time when it really started kicking in um this was this was like just just shortly shortly before we're going to yc yeah uh, i think there was like there was like a shift in the air that are more and more people start coming online, more and more business started coming online. Then we did a partnership with um Facebook, Facebook Free Basics, so they give they give us like a like a huge um access to like a huge number of people, so they could have people could yeah so people, they you know, so, and then they, they they were our first step to going outside Nigeria, so they also had them um, Kenya and Ghana as well. So yeah, I mean that, that helped us to actually properly expand and help build credibility for the for the company as well. So after that, uh, we started see more people coming in, coming in, coming in. Um we introduced some interesting payment methods as well. So typically you pay with your um um debit cards, but then we also tried to introduce um um airtime vouchers were a very common thing in Nigeria at the time. So we tried to introduce airtime vouchers also as a mode of payment. So just so it felt more familiar with what people were using at the time, so so all these you know tips and tricks uh, were sort of the things that got us through those low adoption dark times. To you know, we got into YC and then we did the pivot there, and then you know, so it's there moving from there.
1: So like, how did you guys get into you know Y Combinator? Were you recommended? Did you just apply? You know, being part of like a prestigious um startup accelerator, like the world's top, you know, startup accelerator. How did you, you know, how did you guys manage that? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so so uh, we actually, <laughs> so we actually tried getting the right to the first time. I did. We, we did that didn't work out. So this was um 2016, um 2016 the of batch. Um, that was the year pace got in as well. So we actually applied that YouTube, but we didn't make it. Because we were just like a couple of months old. There wasn't enough credibility yet. So they asked us to go back and, you know, build a bit more traction and then apply again. Um, so that was like our first that was our first attempt. And then the next one that we did, uh, we had, that was when uh, we had Microsoft Saivo and a couple of the other guys come down to Nigeria to meet a couple of uh, companies. So that was when we applied again and then, you know, um, that at that point it really peaked because you know we had numbers to show that this was a good business uh, we had actually built we had made some other tweaks to the business as well too so it, it was a bit more realistic at that time so um, that was when I finally got it but it was it was it was, it was a it was uh, it was a had, like I don't know how you explain it like you know how thrillers are or scary movies are so you know you're sitting at the end of the seat not knowing what's going to happen Every new information you get is like a shocker. You're like, okay, we made it to the interview stage. Okay, we are going for the second stage again. And then uh, we had to do our interviews twice. So we did the first one um, earlier in the day. And then typically afterwards, you either get a call if you got in or again, email if you're you rejected if you didn't, you didn't get in. Yes. So we had the interviews and then we just like walked up to like a restaurant to chill a little bit. Like the suspect was killing us, to be honest. They were like, restless to to, to chill a bit that they were working on the way back home to our apartments. And then we got a call. But the call wasn't like, okay, you're in. The call was able to come in for a second interview. And we're like, is this a good thing or is this a bad thing? We don't know yet. So, so, so yeah, so so we ran in for the second interview. Uh, basically, just review some of the stuff that we had said, um, asked a couple of more questions, the, 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 uh, went a little bit deeper into some stuff. And then we had to leave again. And then the suspense kick started again from the very beginning. Because at that point, we still don't know. So at this point, we we're like, I mean, if they have to call you twice, that, that not, that's not really a good sign. Because everybody got one call, we got two. So we're, we're worried. And then that's when the second call came in and we heard the news, and it's like everybody went crazy like everybody went crazy like it's interesting because we're all calling our mothers but our mothers were like the ones that prayed for us at the start of the day so it was just like you know calling our mothers and just tell them give them good news uh, so it was really was, was really good stuff
1: So after your initial first interview, um, f- founders are usually flown to California for like a second interview, if I'm not mistaken. And if successful, then, you know, they find you and you remain there for like uh, three months, right?
0: Um. Well, typically, yes, I didn't do that, though. I didn't do that. I, I had some uh, engagements here in Nigeria that couldn't let me go immediately. So we had the, the second interviews in like October 2017. Then um, I joined the rest of the guys in January, January 2018. But they were already, after the interview, they stayed, they stayed behind all the way to December, um, to January. I just, I, I went back to joining in, uh, in January.
1: So, what was the best part of, like, getting into YC for you? Because, you know, I watch a lot of videos with, uh, Michael Seibel and, um, you know, the, um, uh, Y Combinator's current CEO. And, you know, he elaborates how YC is more an advantage for startups, you know, because, you know, it gives you access to a wider pool of investors. Um, it also gives you, it connects you to other founders, you know, a network of other founders. Who've done like amazing things that you can talk to and learn from. So, like, what was the best part of getting into YC for you?
0: Uh I mean, if you are a Nigerian style that time, the money would have been a big part of the equation, like no arguments <laughs> there. Because funding, funding wasn't exactly so easy at the time. So I mean it's, it's like it's 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 way easier now. Cause you know. The Africa market has sort of been tested and proven. So you know you get more and more investors coming into like, the African market. But as of 2017-2018, um, it was really sketchy. Like so it wasn't so it wasn't so easy at time. Um, But yes, I mean the money, the money went a long way to helping to stabilize the business. Um, it did, it did But yeah, the network, the network that you made there were just like very helpful. Some of the connections that we made there are basically like we're out to the company's growth. So that was where we actually made the Facebook um free business connection and then they helped us leapfrog the initial platform that we we're on, um, the telemeting platform. That's what that's where we had that connection. Um so that a lot of the early universities that we had, we met them during um, the period that we were, we were at YC for. Uh yeah, so that was like a, and then actually the reliance on pivots came while we are YC too. So yeah, that was that was actually very, very um like, like essential to our current to where the company is right now. I mean, if that didn't happen, I, I, I don't know where it would you tell me a different story at this time.
1: Oh wow! So, um, how many founders are you in total?
0: Uh, three of us. Three of us. So there's um, uh, Femi, Obeya, and myself. Um, the interesting thing was that we all had a uh, Areas of expertise. So, Femi was the CEO overall, you know, medical medical background, general um, overhead leader kind of stuff. Opel was operations and numbers, like you know, you that was that was he said. that I was technology. So that was that was the split. That was the split very It was it was it was very well balanced. So that was also maybe part of the secrets for, for our success. But those, because each person knowing what their responsibility for and just like honing in on owning their own space, that was like um, very essential.
1: What advice would you give um, for people looking for co-founders, like startup co-founders?
0: So the synergy is very, very essential. So you don't want a co-founder who is um, who you can't connect with, for lack of a for lack of a better word, who you can't connect with. So there needs to be sort of like a balance. So for example, if you are a, I like to say like if you are like a fixer, somebody who likes to get everything right before they go ahead, or you are like an kind overthinker, of it means that you will be very You'll be very helpful in finding edge cases or you know um, other use cases or nitpicking solutions to make sure that they are perfect. But the downside to that is that you may never get anything done. So because you always waiting for perfection, so you will probably need a founder that will complement you, who is like you know um, a free spirit or who is really to like I has a very very high risk profile to balance out your overthinking nature. So that level of um, complementary. Um, relationship between the founders is actually very necessary, and and then if it's a tech startup, yes, yeah, I mean you need to you need your engineering game on point from the very beginning because that's very essential too. Yeah, so I mean, so I I mean along as long as as long as there's a good relationship between the founders, and I, so if you're starting off solo, you need founders that will complement your weaknesses. And I mean that's 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 the barest minimum. I mean, I and mean, then when you have that, the next it will be founders that can actually resonate with your dream, of uh, the idea that you have. Not just like okay, I'm coming in to help you build this. I don't think it's going to work, but you know, I have some free time in my hands, so let me just help you. Now. That that's just that's not the capacity that you need. You need people who would actually resonate with the stuff that are doing. They can see they're as invested as you are. Otherwise, you just I don't want me to drag people, force them to do stuff. I and mean, know that that never really helps anybody in the long run.
1: At what stage would you describe your startup? Would you say you guys are still a pre-product market fit or are you guys finally post-product market fit now?
0: Um, yeah, so we are definitely post-product market fit. Uh, right now we're focusing on expansion actually. Um spreading. So I mean, we sort of have Nigerian lockdown. So like we, we sort of have what we have here and it's it's going good. Um so we are actually looking to expand to Nigeria. So you know, you we, we take you we take the playbook that I use here, tweak it a little bit and see if we can really work in another country again too. So, no, because healthcare in the market is pretty much very similar, especially like that. That there's a other markets that are very similar to the major market in terms of the you know non volume of people that do out-of-pocket payments or the um, wealth brackets in those countries as well. So, so typically we see similarities like this, it's almost like a guarantee that you may not work immediately, but there's a chance that you may succeed. So you know, you probably want to explore and see how that goes.
1: So I usually love asking um, startups in Nigeria, what exactly is happening in Nigeria? You know, because like in a very short period of time, Nigeria has become this tech ecosystem, this um, the African tech hub. Of you know the African tech hub, so you know, you know some of the largest investments in Africa and Nigeria. Some of you know Africa's biggest unicorns are Nigerian. So I, I guess my question is, what's happening in Nigeria, or what's what what kind of an environment is is to is is the cause of such explosive growth? Uh I
0: mean that's 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 a very interesting. So I I think it's a it's a very. <laughs> I think it has to be. So it has to do with the nature of Nigeria generally. So Nigerians are natural grinders. Like we, 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 we are heavy lifters. We like to do the stuff. We like to do the, put the work in. And then every Nigerian is looking to succeed to an extent, you know. And if if the key to succeeding is solving a problem, which you can very much relate to it because that problem is all around you, then you know you you, you try to solve. And then the, the opportunity presents itself. You jump and you try to solve this problem. And you know, if that were, if you make money during the process too, you know that that that's also very. Good. So um, I think Nigeria is not the easiest of countries to live in. That's I think that's a generally known fact. So I, I like to say that if you can survive in Nigeria, you can survive anywhere else. Honestly, so if you can build a business and succeed in Nigeria with how diverse and chaotic the industry is, and you know the market is not. There's no one rule. There's no one rule that I can apply to every Nigerian. You sort of have to tweak and move. Nigeria is almost like a world on its own. Different populations, different results, all working differently. So if you can do this and succeed in Nigeria, yeah, I'm pretty sure it can in any other markets.
1: So, are you guys, what stage of fundraising are you guys at? Are you at your Series A, Series B?
0: Oh yeah, so we recently just um, closed our series uh, earlier in the year. It we was led by General Atlantic. We did uh, about $20 million. It, w- it was actually one of the highest, if not the highest, actually, to check um, healthcare, healthcare, um, health tech um, startup funding in Africa. So, I mean, the good part is that opens the door for a ton of other healthcare startups in Africa. So, you know, it's like, you can do this. It's not, it's, yeah, like this is possible. It's not it's not a dream. It's actually very possible.
1: So like how was your fundraising experience? Did you was it you know was it easy or was it was it challenging to raise money? What what was what was your experience?
0: Yeah, so it was it wasn't you know, it, it was challenging, man. Right? There's there's no way I can't even like Sugarcoat it and say that you know it wasn't you know it was definitely challenging. Yeah. So, um uh, so it's interesting because I'm the third therapist us. I'm the I'm the tech guy, so I'm a bit always in the dark. I like I like to just like no really I'm not really about putting myself out there a lot. Yeah, so. uh, but I mean I had to during during uh, the demo day I So you know every single person had to reach out talk to investors just to see how much you know how much potential we could pull. Um, so yeah, that wasn't that wasn't and then like I said, this was 2017, 2018. So raising money wasn't the easiest thing to do. Um, there weren't the a lot of um foreign VC back startups in Nigeria at the time. So a lot of um like Silicon Valley VC, VC, they didn't know about the African market, even if they didn't, they didn't trust it. So, you know, um, as of and as of that, as of when we were in YC, it was just Paystack that got in. So it was just like one person, just like one company. but that like, was it really like they opened the door for a ton of other like um African startups. Um so yeah they did really good. But um so that was that was pretty much it like that. So it wasn't easy. So you had to do a lot of convincing. And then ironically what we were pitching was also something that was very difficult to explain. So you're explaining how you the in the US is
1: So do you have any like advice for people or anyone trying to start a startup, you know, based on your experience, you know, what you've gone through, anything that maybe you, you wish you had known or would have done differently, like just anything for anyone listening to like learn from your journey?
0: Um, I mean, it's, I'll probably say something that sounds very cliché and everybody has literally used or you hear like every other day, you know, when they say done is better than perfect, yes. But the like in as much as how often you hear that, you actually realize that a lot of people don't follow it. Like a lot of people are actually waiting to get their their products right, just right in their heads before they launch it. Now, and the problem is that they're looking at perfection in their heads i focusing less on what the users would need or what the market needs. And that's the problem, that's the disconnect. So you don't necessarily have to solve the problem 100% before you launch. You know, if you can solve it to a very good extent, 60%, 70%, you can launch with that and then iterate and fix up as you move. Because you learn things every other day, the market changes. The market changes, but the more you stall and try to do it for perfection, I mean, the world is not going to for you know, things will move, you know, things will move. And by the time you're ready, you may find out that whatever idea you had is now outdated. So, so, I mean, the, the text space is very fast, so you really can't wait for anyone. It also doesn't mean that you should just, like, spin up every every idea that crosses your mind without actually thinking it first. Huh? So, you, you need to find that balance. Um, you need to find the balance between, like, solving a problem... But like I have a proper solution, but not the perfect solution. It's like it's good enough. It's good enough to launch. So you launch. And then you you fix up with time. So and then um so this is just like general, just like general stuff that we learned as we've been moving uh over the years. But you know, for anybody who's like looking to start up something new, I think what what I would personally advise I would personally give is that you, you should try solving a problem that you understand. So it's something that you also relate to it, the problem that you have. So if you solve your problem, you know, you die a bunch of other people outside like you as well too, who also have the same problem, who will be willing to pay for it. So if you ask yourself, if you can't pay for your own product, why should anybody else prefer it? That's, that, that's the ultimate question. So, you know, if you solve a problem for yourself, it's very easy to scale that towards, like to have other people also, you know, use that solution. And then you sort of resonate with it personally as well too, so it, it makes it stronger to hold on to.
1: So, where do you see Reliance Health in the next five to ten years?
0: Um, yeah. So, so like I said, um, we're currently looking to expand. Um, the first stop in our expansion plan is um, Egypt. So, virtually already started there. So, that's that's that should go live before the end of the year. In a couple of months. Um, so yeah, I mean, so next steps is actually just like you know, global expansion. So you know, taking Egypt, um other countries in mind as well to countries with similar with similar um healthcare systems like Nigeria. Um yeah, so that, I mean that's that's what that's what we're currently focusing focus on. And then you know, a couple of other ideas that are still in the works, you know, I can't say too much right now, but I, I think you know, people should just like lookouts for for for, for reliance I was like you know watch this space
1: so there you have it how a group of founders came together to solve a problem they knew needed a solution never gave up and today are one of the largest African funding rounds in the healthcare industry you guys are true founders and difference makers thank you again for tuning in and I'll catch you on the next episode